Hi, and welcome to Wellness with Lana. I'm Lana, your realistic wellness bestie, here to discuss everything from nutrition and fitness to mental health and fun. Join me every weekend for an episode that is entertaining, educational, and can help you become the best version of yourself. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so happy that you decided to click on and listen in. If you are new, an extra special welcome to you. Whether you found me through social media or through scrolling through Apple or Spotify podcasts, you are here for a reason and you are in the right place at the right time. And again, if you are returning, also, as always, hugs and kisses. I'm always so happy to see this small but thriving community grow of just wellness boss babes becoming the happiest and healthiest versions of themselves. Make sure to follow this podcast and all of my socials. You can find all my socials linked in the link in the show notes. Everything you need is in that link, so definitely go check that out. I'm very active on my social media. I'm active every single day, answer every single one of those DMs. So definitely be sure to check that out. Literally a couple of minutes ago, I posted a get ready to record a podcast episode with me, which was like just me getting ready, writing the notes and just getting ready to chat with you because I feel like behind the scenes for videos or podcasts are just so fun to watch. So yeah, but of course, I am definitely going to have a lengthier episode today because it is part two of the eating disorder series and we are going to be talking about what nobody tells you about eating disorder recovery. But before that starts, let's set the mood. So it is currently like 7.30ish p.m. on a Saturday evening. I worked all day and then I came home, had dinner, walked outside and now I am here. I'm ready to chat And unlike other Saturdays, my throat actually doesn't hurt. Um, I didn't really talk a lot at work today, which is good because that means I have more energy and more voice to talk to all of you on the podcast. A high of this week is probably that my coworker at work today brought in his two pug puppies. So if you don't know, pug is a dog breed, P-U-G, and they are so cute. And his pug puppies were only a couple of weeks old. They were siblings too, and they were just the size of like guinea pigs. They were so small, so cute, and they just kept licking each other. And I just loved how they brought a smile to every single person's face where I worked, it just it just made people so happy. And of course, when I see people happy, I am happy as well. A low of this week is, honestly, I don't really have a low. I don't think this week was very eventful. I feel like it was very neutral. I was coasting um, and I was just pretty busy and not a lot of lows. So that is good. Sometimes having more neutral weeks is a good thing. And lastly, before we really dive in, um, this is a big trigger warning to those who are currently really struggling with an eating disorder or just body dysmorphia, counting calories, things like that, because we do mention that in today's episode. Definitely not as much as we mentioned it in last week's episode, because last week's episode was what nobody tells you about eating disorders, where we went over how eating disorders start, why it's not always related to weight, some disordered habits that you might pick up. And just how an eating disorder progresses to generally rock bottom. And we left it off at rock bottom because I wanted to pick up today talking about eating disorder recovery and what nobody tells you and nobody prepares you for eating disorder recovery. So I feel like there are a lot of recovery social media accounts and I am kind of a recovery social media account. Um, It's definitely not like my only focus. I do mention it. I talk about it obviously but I'm more into like health and wellness and I just don't really post a ton a ton a ton about eating disorders and eating disorder recovery but either way I think everyone in the eating disorder recovery community really glamorizes eating disorder recovery it is a very hard thing to go through as someone who has gone through it. And I've known many people who've gone through it. It is extremely difficult. It is isolating. It is tough. It is tough on both your mind and body. And it is hard. And it's so easy to slip back into disordered habits, to slip back into comfort. And that's why I want to prepare people with this, what nobody tells you about eating disorder recovery. So they are prepared. 
because social media, you see girls gain weight, you see them enjoying pizza and pasta and all the food that you might have been scared of. And they look like they're having a blast. But in reality, behind closed doors, there are a lot of panic attacks, there are a lot of tears, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of body dysmorphia, there's a lot of shame and just working through all of those negative, difficult emotions that nobody wants to prepare you for. And it's not just recovery accounts. I think, and trust me, I am also part of this where I do glamorize, you know, regaining the weight and acting like it was easy when in fact it really was not easy. But on top of that, I think a lot of therapists or doctors don't really talk about it. They don't help you and they don't like warn you ahead of time. They make it seem like if you regain the weight, everything will just magically happen. Like all of your bad thoughts about food in your body will go away. And that's not true. And we are going to talk all about that right now. So here is what nobody tells you about eating disorder recovery. All right. So in a nutshell, let's explain recovery. Recovery is hard. Your clothes start feeling tighter. You have to eat all the time, even when you're not hungry. You're dealing with thoughts and urges to do those disordered habits again. You do not like exploring the root cause of the eating disorder. You hate feeling all of the emotions. You hate not being able to have your sick body. You are jealous of people without eating disorders. You wish you could wipe your mind clean of all the numbers and thoughts. Body dysmorphia convinces you that you're going to become obese. You are bloated all the time. You don't have an identity. You are regaining weight and the list goes on. So I think, as I mentioned earlier, not a lot of people talk about the hard aspects of recovering from an eating disorder. And a lot of it is hard. It is uncomfortable to get out of what you were comfortable with, what you are used to, your schedule, your routine. It is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable to feel the emotions you have felt you were completely numb. Remember, you were in, eating, in an eating disorder. You were numb. You did not feel those emotions. But you have all these locked up emotions still inside of you and you are going to be an emotional wreck and nobody ever prepares you for any of the unglamorous aspects of recovering from an eating disorder. So my doctors and therapists were so concerned with me regaining weight that my mental health was really placed on the back burner. And every single person that I talked to in therapy or in doctor sessions, like they never had an eating disorder themselves. They they didn't understand what I was going through. They stereotyped me in a box, even though if you listen to part one of the series, like I didn't even want to lose, I didn't even realize I lost weight, okay? It took a couple months for me to realize what I was doing. And the fact that my goal was never to lose weight, like really threw therapists in like a little like confusion spell. They're like, wait a minute, what? Like you weren't trying to lose weight? Like you didn't even know you were losing weight? No, I didn't weigh myself like all the time. Like I didn't, like I didn't realize what was going on. And I think due to that stereotype, I really didn't get the help that I needed. And my mental health was put on the back burner so much so that like I literally could not stand going to therapy, going to doctor's appointments anymore. And that's why I literally quit and decided I'm going to recover myself. And obviously I had a support system at home. I had my parents making sure that I was actually doing what I said I was going to do. And once they saw me recovering, regaining my weight and really getting my life back, they knew that I was doing it for real. So fortunately, I do know that there are many doctors and therapists that are incredible but it's unfortunate that I have not come across one that is incredible. Um, I know many people who have had incredible therapists and breakthroughs through that, but personally, I have not. And so I'm not going to put therapy as like number one. Like if you have access, if you really like your therapist, definitely keep going to them. However, if you don't fit, it's too expensive. There are other ways that you can really make sure that you are recovering as best as possible. I would say to... Make sure that you're taking care of your mental health along with your physical health because there is a lot that goes on in eating disorder recovery and it's not just physical, it's very much mental. It's battling with yourself every single day, every single meal, every single spoonful, you are battling with yourself. And that means, you know, you need to find ways to exude this energy, to get rid of it because right now as you're recovering, like you just feel heavier, not just like 
physically, but mentally there's a lot going on in your mind. And so make sure that you are taking care of your mental health throughout this entire journey. Make sure you are journaling and allowing yourself to cry and color and talk it out, you know, jump, dance, scream. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel emotion. It's okay to express it, release the emotion to start healing. So When it comes to recovering from the eating disorder, obviously regaining weight generally is part of that. If you have to regain weight because, you know, most restrictive eating disorders do require you to regain weight, make sure to throw out your old clothing. Just do it, okay? I I just... I don't understand why I held on to so many old pieces of clothing because I was convinced that I was going to wear them again. No, you aren't. Okay. I'm literally building my glutes in the gym. Like you think I can fit into jeans that I wore like three years ago? I don't think so. I don't want to fit into jeans that I fit in three years ago. So throw out your old clothing donate it do it like even before like right when the clothing starts feeling tight and you know you have you're like still regaining weight get rid of the clothing clothing should always fit you okay not the other way around okay we are not holding on to clothing to trigger ourselves into relapsing no we are not okay we repeat we are not doing that okay what we're gonna do is we're gonna take the clothing that's kind of tight that you know is not gonna fit you once you recover and get rid of it right away just rip the band-aid off okay donate it You can sell it on like Poshmark or Depop. Just get rid of it. Give it away to friends. Give it away to younger siblings. Just give it away. And if, you know, giving away to, you know, friends or younger siblings would be triggering to you, just get out of the house, okay? I don't care what you do with it. Get it out. And with that, make sure that you're purchasing new clothing. Make sure that you're purchasing what you want. I think a fun part of eating disorder recovery that nobody mentions is how much your style can change. When you get rid of all this old clothing that you used to wear that was like all the same style, you pretty much have like an empty canvas, an empty wardrobe, and you can really fill it however you want. And you have like full permission to go and purchase new items of clothing that might fit your personality and your style way more. So style changes are actually very common in eating disorder recovery as people figure out what they actually like to wear, not what they're like eating disorder put them in a box and force them to wear the same outfit for like a couple years because honestly that gets boring. Also regaining weight does trigger a lot of body dysmorphia. You literally, I swear, I was like really underweight still at the beginning of my weight regain and you know recovery journey and I literally convinced myself that I was fat. I'm like 30 pounds heavier than I was then. Like what? No! No, I was not. I just wasn't. Okay. Your mind is playing tricks on you. Don't listen to it. Okay. Body dysmorphia is a real thing. And on those days that you do pick up your body, wear something loose, wear something comfy, make sure to feel your body, make sure to be kind and understand that this day will pass. Okay. Everyone has bad body image days. It's just a normal part of being a human on this world that is so hyper fixated on your appearance and your body and your looks. I also have two earlier episodes on this, so scroll up to episode 5 and 35. Understand that body dysmorphia and feeling kind of icky once you're regaining the weight is normal, and it's okay to grieve the loss of your old sick body. Like, this is also normal. I think when you look at my social media and you see, like, how I'm celebrating the fact that I'm, like, 40 pounds heavier and I built all this muscle and I really recovered, like... Sometimes, some days, I really, really grieve the loss of that because that like sick body, it was a part of me for a while and I did have to let it go. I had to let go of a lot of clothing that I really liked and, you know, it's hard, but, you know, that's just a part of recovery that you just have to get over and generally, this is kind of the first part of recovery is regaining the weight and just getting on a meal plan, like doing things to make sure that you are regaining the weight and becoming healthier physically And then we'll get into the mental aspect of it because, as we know, the mental aspect is a larger part of the entire puzzle. Okay, for food, all I can say is, like, eat, okay? Have a meal plan, whether it's given to you by a doctor or just, like, have a rough plan. Okay, I'm not saying calories. Stop tracking that, okay? Don't do it. Don't even be like, well, I'm just tracking because I'm making sure I'm eating enough. No, you aren't. 
You're tracking to make sure you're not going over your calories. Stop doing that, okay? Anyway, have kind of a plan of what you need to eat. Eat more if you are hungry and make sure that you are just eating enough, not counting calories and not going into those disordered habits again. Also, be totally okay with going over your meal plan, going over what like the doctor or the dietitian or whoever you work with or just yourself thought that you were going to eat. Extreme hunger is real. It's a biological sign that your body is malnourished and it needs to make sure that it's safe and it's not going to starve again. So you may feel like you're becoming a binge eater, but it's not necessarily true. Your body is simply trying to rebuild itself after restriction and eating disorder. The faster you listen to this extreme hunger and allow your body to have what it wants, the faster this goes away. Also note that extreme hunger can happen after weight restoration as often as it can happen during. It's all a matter of when your body decides to kick it into high gear. So pretty much extreme hunger, biological way of making sure your body is safe. Don't don't feel bad about doing it. Don't restrict after you have extreme hunger. Your eating disorder might try and convince you that you're becoming a binge eater. You aren't. It's going to go away. It went away for me. Okay. It literally went away. You just have to embrace it. And it's painful and it's confusing and you're going to feel bloated and oh, it sucks. But once you embrace it and a lot of times you actually are like eating the foods that you restricted. Like, you know, the bread, the pasta, the the sweets, and that's okay. It's going to go away. I promise. Yes, you might be craving unhealthy food. Let yourself have that and eventually things will balance out. I know everyone says that, but I'm I'm telling you, okay? It does balance out. I promise. Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks. Sometimes it's kind of like an up down. So like you have extreme hunger and then like goes away for a couple months and it kind of peaks again and goes away, but eventually just balances out. Fear foods, eat them. Enough said. Obviously, if you are scared of something, you need to face the fear as often as you possibly can. And personally, I find that it's a lot easier to plan out the fear food and having the fear food with someone really, really does help. I feel like when you're eating it with a friend or a family member that is a positive family member, not someone that's like negative and it's going to like say something bad about you eating a certain food. But if you're having it with a very positive family member, it could just be an enjoyable experience, being sure that you're rewiring that your brain to be okay with that and knowing that eating those foods isn't going to make you automatically fat. Um, There is no one food scientifically that can make you fat or skinny. You just need to step out of your comfort zone and just completely do what's best for you. And facing fear foods is really tough, I think, but the more you just face them in little ways, like if you're scared of bread, just having a sandwich along with your salad or something like that, like just start off really small and grow from there. Um, eventually, though, you are going to have to be comfortable eating at you're, you're going to have to be comfortable eating anything really within reason. Um, and it is really freeing once you go through. I think it was really tough for me for the first couple of months, but after a couple of months of recovery, even before complete weight restoration, I felt like I was way more spontaneous with food. I was able to just enjoy things in the moment and um, it really does free you. Like, for example, I had a, I'm had having a lunch date with a friend in, I think, a little less than a week and she really wanted to cook for me and she obviously asked, so what do you want me to cook? And I said, surprise me because Honestly, I spent way too long of my life worrying about calories and macros and whether something's healthy, quote unquote, or not. I really missed out on social opportunities. And, you know, once you face the fear food and once you kind of give up the control, I think that's something that nobody tells you about eating disorder recovery is like you have to really give up control over food. Sometimes you have to take, you know, breaks and have your parents make sure they're portioning your food so it's like enough food. And it is hard to let go of control. If you get really triggered about people cooking with like oil, um, just don't go in the kitchen. Um, For me, that wasn't really an issue ever, but I know some people are. Just allow yourself to heal. And sometimes it's better being oblivious about how many calories are in your food and what's exactly in your food rather than knowing every single macro, every single number, because it's just really freeing. And Once you go through the hard work of facing your fear foods and just getting rid of disordered habits in general, such as like 
not eating with the same utensils, which I know some people do. Like they eat with like really small utensils, like abnormally small. Also, I think, you know, eating only at certain times, like you can't eat after a certain like you can't eat after 7 or 8 p.m. Like, for example, I literally just ate a second dinner at 8 p.m. because I felt like it because I was hungry. Like when I had the eating disorder, you could never convince me to do that. Because I would be like, no, I'm going to get fat, which quite frankly, your body doesn't really realize what time it is. Um, And if you're hungry, especially later at night, like if you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're starving, eat. I don't care if it's 2 a.m. You eat. Okay. We eat when we're hungry and we're just training our bodies to trust ourselves. And right now, if you're in the point of eating disorder recovery where you're not hungry, this is normal. Stick to your meal plan. Eventually, hunger will start kicking in and normalizing once you're fueling your body properly. Because we kind of mentioned calories and numbers, I already think I mentioned this earlier, but just please don't track them. Start small and go from there. So if you really do struggle with um, tracking and just losing control over food, I think one of the easiest things to do is just don't track breakfast. Um, You know, start with not tracking one meal, then go to two, then go to three. Or you can do cold turkey. I personally quit calorie counting cold turkey um, and it it was really powerful. I am going to give a warning here that just because you stop tracking calories doesn't mean you don't have an eating disorder. I think in my mind, I stopped tracking calories like I think five or six months in, no, three or four months into the eating disorder. So I stopped tracking, but the eating disorder still continued. Tracking calories is not something that every eating disorder does, but some do. And some people, like even if you stop tracking calories, it doesn't mean you don't have an eating disorder. You still have to work through regaining weight and just fixing your relationship with food and exercise. With exercise in that case, it all really depends on what your doctor says. I know some people don't work out at all during recovery. Some people do. Really, I would recommend to go to a professional for that. If your doctor says no exercise, no exercise, okay? Just don't do it. I think a lot of people think that, you know, again, there there's a fear of you're going to get fat when you stop exercising when that's not necessarily true. Your body right now needs all the energy it possibly can get to recover. Remember that this is like a really small part of your life and recovery is just a piece of a very long and full life and you will exercise again. If you are allowed to exercise, or perhaps you can't afford going to the doctor because I know that is a reality for many people. I highly recommend weightlifting, Pilates, yoga, and relaxing lo- like relaxing walks. Very extensive cardio hit. I had to drop running for about a year. Just don't do excessive cardio. The most cardio I did throughout my recovery is literally walking. Sometimes I like dance just for fun, but that's about it. Like I wouldn't go to extremes because my body needed time and needed energy to heal. Um, weightlifting though was definitely became my number one love, my number one passion. Um, I grew a lot through weightlifting, um, both mentally and physically. I built a lot of muscle. I feel a lot more confident and strong. And it's I was telling my dad earlier today that weightlifting is kind of like insurance for me where I'm making sure that I'll never, ever, ever go back to how I was during the eating disorder because to do that, I would have to lose all of the work that I put in every single morning to make sure that I'm not only working out properly, but resting properly, eating properly, and just losing all of that progress, all of that muscle mass, all of that strength and confidence would really take a toll on me. So for me, it's insurance. Like, just assuring my mind that you will never go back to what you were doing to yourself a couple years ago during the eating disorder. But again, do whatever exercise feels good for you. Just don't do excessive cardio and don't do exercise to quote unquote burn calories because that is not going to help you through eating disorder recovery. Like it's, it's not. Finally, understand that I think during eating disorder recovery, you're really going to have to part with your old identity. So being the anorexic, being the skinny one, being the disciplined one, being the healthy one, like those are all identities that I think many people have placed on themselves or they place on themselves. And so I think during this time, you really need to redefine who you are and create yourself a new identity, the happy, the healthy, the strong individual rather than the skinny, the frail, the sick one, because 
honestly, it's a lot better being known as, oh, that's Alana. She really, she's really strong. She weight lifts. She does this rather than, oh, that's Alana. She, she's struggling with anorexia. She's really skinny. I personally like for people to know that I am strong, that I am someone that they can go to with mental health issues because I dealt with them. Um, and just being strong and happy and healthy, really, that's what matters in the long run. I think also somebody once mentioned that, you know, you really need to re-meet yourself once you recover. And that's true. Your emotions wake up and they will take you through a roller coaster every single day through recovery. It sucks, but it's true. You're going to cry. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel happy. You're going to feel everything. Cry it out. Journal it all out. And remember that this is normal. You are feeling all of these locked up emotions. And on top of that, you are rediscovering yourself. You are rediscovering your personality. I think it was three or four months. No, it was closer to four to five months into eating disorder recovery where I was like really feeling the full effects of my personality. And I didn't have my personality for about like, I think two years. It was, I just didn't have a personality. I was kind of a numb person. So being able to re-meet yourself is really cool and it's something that like you also like learn that your personality has evolved I'm a lot more outgoing I'm a lot more confident and just happy in general and so it's a really cool experience throughout uh, recovery and also after recovery so now that we talked about things that nobody tells you about eating disorder recovery I'm going to mention about post recovery so Nobody ever mentions that just because you regain the weight doesn't mean you like heal from the eating disorder. I think that's number one, where your mind will heal a lot slower than your body. Your body might be restored. Your mind is probably not restored. And the eating disorder doesn't just magically go away. Like the bad voices, the bad habits don't just magically go away after you regain the weight and start healing your relationship with food. It is something that I am currently actively working on every single day. The healing journey is a never-ending process, and I think that's what's beautiful about it, but it's also something nobody ever talks about. And, you know, I might have weight restored in half a year, but the mental aspect took so, so much longer. Some people fully recover mentally within a year, and sometimes it takes almost 10 years. It really depends on the individual, how long the eating disorder was, and more. But yes, understand that your mind will heal a lot slower than your body. Just because you weight restored doesn't mean that your fight with whatever eating disorder you have is over. It takes more work after the fact. And also, even after you regain the weight you will still have bad body image days. And during these times, I also like to think back to when I was in a sick body, I still had bad body image days. Your weight does not define whether or not you love your body or not. Confidence comes from within. And I think that's what nobody really realizes until like you either lose weight a lot. Like it doesn't just magically appear because you're at a certain weight. You will still have bad days even after you weight restored, even after you kind of like your body most of the time. You're still going to have bad days. And again, be kind and gentle to yourself on these days. Wear comfy clothing and just do things that make you feel good. Also, I think nobody ever talks about you have really bad flashbacks to the eating disorder. You remember a lot of stuff. I think because I was revisiting a lot of spots uh, this past fall that I was in my darkest moments of the eating disorder. It was really tough. Um, I had a lot of panic attacks and I had a lot of anxiety around, um, you know, certain, I was at a certain college during the peak of my eating disorder. I was doing certain things and eating certain foods. And like, I literally can't stomach certain foods anymore because I just get reminded, I get so triggered from, it's like almost inner trauma of what you did to yourself. And so your body like literally goes into fight or flight mode and you can't control it. And you're so triggered and you're so anxious. And I think, understand that this is normal. You're going to feel triggered by certain foods, by certain situations, by certain people. Just understand that this is normal and it's less prominent as you recover, but it's still there. And I think if you can just switch up your furniture, switch up your style, just switch up something so you don't always find yourself in that kind of mental space. 
you also will gain a hatred for calorie counting, diet culture, and more. Welcome to the club. I absolutely despise diet culture. And I think once you recover from the eating disorder, post-recovery, you like really start despising diet culture. Like even now still like I might be sitting at the breakfast table or whatever and my mom makes the comment about, you know, how, you know, I can't have a banana because bananas are filled with sugar, right? And I'm like sitting there eating my banana and I'm just like, actually, like it's fine. Like the sugar is just not going to kill you. Like your your body's not going to figure things out like that. Like it's fine. Everything is fine. You don't need to like micromanage every single nutrient that goes into your body. And I think you really start gaining a hatred for diet culture, which is good. We want the hatred for diet culture. We know that diet culture is out to make a profit and make us feel like absolute garbage. I also think that nobody tells you that, you know, your emotions are still going to be riding that roller coaster. So even after restoring the weight, you're still getting to know your personality. You are still finding things about yourself. You are still having to deal with a lot of emotion overload. And especially if you're a female and your hormones are waking up again and your you know, menstrual cycle is starting to wake up again, like that will cause a lot of emotions that aren't necessarily great to deal with. But it's something that you know I had to go through and everyone else does as well. Um, just allow yourself to really re-meet yourself and re-meet this new version of you and this new personality as it will always be changing and evolving. And I also really want to talk about weight overshoot. I think nobody really mentions the fact that a lot of times when you recover from an eating disorder, you are gaining more weight than pre-eating disorder you. You are perhaps gaining more weight than what the doctor said was the bare minimum. Because, you know, in my anorexic mind a year ago, the doctor said I had to be, you know, X amount of pounds. And right now I'm about 15 pounds over that minimum. Remember that a lot of the times the doctor gives you a minimum. The little number in your mind is probably too low. It's okay to surpass that minimum. It's okay to right now be a little bit past your set point weight. If you don't know, set point weight is like your biological number for a healthy weight for your body. It's where everything functions. It's where you're healthy and happy. It's where you're not restricting. You're not in any sort of diet. Like that is your set point weight. It is the natural weight that your body is very happy at. And I think that especially after eating disorder recovery, your body goes a little bit more than your set point weight. And I ultimately this is for your body's safety. It doesn't know if it's going to go into famine again or quote unquote, like the eating disorder. And so it is kind of just stocking up just in case. And trust me, like right now I feel a little bit fluffy. I feel a little bit uncomfortable. I am a little bit weight overshot where I am past my set point weight. I am past my optimal weight and I'm not restricting. I am not freaking out about it. I'm not increasing my exercise. I know that naturally over time, my body will settle back down, you know, naturally, especially as I continue with healing my relationship with food, just everything will settle back down and I'll be back to my set point weight. And I think you have to be really gentle about this time because you will feel fluffy. A lot of times after weight regain and then weight overshoot, you will feel fluffy. Personally, I'm not in any rush to get rid of the little extra weight that I developed. And I also was, you know, lifting a lot at the gym. I was technically bulking, but like not on purpose. I just, you know, was eating a lot and was lifting a lot. And I'm okay with it. Honestly, like my body will settle down. Right now it's also winter. Like everyone feels a little, like I'm just letting my body run its course. I am healing my relationship with food. And I know that eventually everything will work out to where it needs to be. I'm not too hard on myself right now post-recovery. And if you're post-recovery and you're a little bit weight overshot, don't be hard, too hard on yourself. Things are going to go back to normal. Obviously, you're not going to go back to your anorexic way or like your eating disorder way. So don't have that expectation in your mind. But you're going to be at the happiest and healthiest weight for you. Whatever that may be, that is the weight that you're going to ultimately be at. And that might take some time and that might take some, you know, training your body to treat yourself again, but eventually it will happen. I also think that nobody talks about the scarcity mentality when it comes to food. You may notice, you know, eating faster, not going anywhere with a snack, or you're scared that you're not going to have a certain food. Um, It also tends to be around the foods that you restricted the most um, during your eating disorder or your 
perhaps you're just listening and you've been on a very restrictive diet in the past, like those foods that you tend to have a lot of scarcity mentality, those are the foods that you restricted. And so obviously naturally your body is going to think that it will never get those foods again and it's going to try and overeat them. And having this fear of hunger and having this fear of food being taken away from you, it's irrational. We all, we all know this, but it is still a fear that nobody talks about. And so for me, I would say, make sure that whatever food you're kind of hyper-focused on, include into your diet every single day. For me, that was bread. That was, you know, dark chocolate. That was other things that I just really restricted during the eating disorder. And now that I've normalized them, like I'm not, like I still have my dark chocolate every day, but like, it's not to the point where it's like, hyperfixation, counting down the minute, count like like no, like it's very natural, it's very like it's just happens, it's natural. But again, scarcity mentality is pretty bad. So, um I would just recommend to always give yourself affirmations that you are safe. No one is going to take away the food from you. You aren't going to take away the food from yourself. You can enjoy this meal. You have full permission to really enjoy and cherish the food that is in front of you, the taste, the smell, the texture, like give yourself permission to do so. Otherwise you will feel very tense and we'll have that scarcity mentality around your meals. And finally, intuitive eating comes after all of this. So, you know, especially in post-recovery, you don't have to stick to a very strict meal plan. Obviously, I, you know, tend to still... I always eat three meals a day, but you know, it's not as strict as it once was because now I kind of have natural hunger cues going. And this is all part of intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is for those who have recovered physically and they have stabilized physically. So if you're not stabilized and weight restored, do not intuitive eat because that is not going to help you. But once you have Intuitive eating is kind of the next step, and it is a very difficult road. I have a previous podcast episode on intuitive eating, so I'm not going to get into it, but it's pretty much eating when you're hungry within reason. So sometimes you're not hungry, but like use your brain to be like, okay, I'm not going to eat for the next like four hours because I'll be at a doctor's appointment. So I'll just eat now, even though I'm not hungry. Like those are all aspects of intuitive eating that I discuss in that episode. Okay, and I think I also want to mention that sometimes you do look at past photos of yourself, um, not in like a comparison, like, oh, I had like a better body, but sometimes I think you look at yourself and you wonder how you did it. Sometimes I like scroll back in pictures and I'm like, how did I eat so little and exercise so much? And how did I convince myself that I was happy? I was delusionally happy. Those are normal thoughts. It is normal to grieve your sick body, but also kind of hate your sick body. Um, It is normal to be confused why you went through this. A lot of times the eating disorder is not ultimately your fault. Um, There were many things that played into you or whoever else developing an eating disorder. It is not just to lose weight. It is not just one or the other. I go over this in last week's episode where I talk about how eating disorders can start. It is not just to lose weight. There are a lot of different things that can all play a part in developing an eating disorder. And I think being kind to yourself and understanding like that was a part of your life, but it does not have to be a part forever um, and that you are growing past that. I think that's very important. All right. So I did ask the social media accounts, both my Wellness with Lana main account and the podcast Instagram for questions and eating disorder recovery experiences from there. So If you want me to answer something in the pod related to eating disorder recovery, fitness, nutrition, mental health, or anything else, again, my DMs are always open. Go in the link tree in the show notes and you can find all of them there. I respond to every single comment and every single DM. I really want to have like a Q&A with Lana at the end of every podcast episode, just answering a community member's question because I feel like sometimes you have these wellness questions, these mental health questions, and you have no one to go to to ask them. And so I want to be that kind of safe person. Your wellness, your realistic wellness bestie, just answering these questions in a super relaxed atmosphere. So remember, ultimately this podcast is for you. So that's why I want to include this last segment um, at the end of every episode. And this episode is the first episode to include it. So let's get back to the wellness boss babe community. So one of the beautiful boss babes sent in, the more they focused less on the eating disorder, the more food freedom they found. 
So this is so, so, so true. The more you learn not to, you know, track calories, macros, to move in ways that your body likes, not just to like burn calories. And the more you ignore that eating disorder voice in your head, the more food freedom you find. You realize very quickly that the eating disorder was lying to you all the time. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. You're going to get fat from eating this. Like literally I was convinced I was going to get fat from eating dark chocolate. You know, I'm sorry. I've had dark chocolate every single day for the past like two years. Nothing, of course, I weight regained during that time, but it wasn't due to the dark chocolate. It was due to a lot of factors. Like one food doesn't automatically make you, you know, fat or skinny. Like I totally don't believe that all food fits in a diet. And so, or not a diet, all food fits in your life. Because remember, our food and our exercise is part of a lifestyle, not a diet or like a 30 day challenge. So yes, you realize pretty quickly that um, the more you just emphasize eating, you know, intuitively and eating all types of food and really enjoying your workouts and the more you ignore that eating disorder voice, the more just freedom and joy you find not only in food, but in exercise and just social life. Another babe said dialectical behavioral therapy was a lot more beneficial than seeing an eating disorder therapist. So I agree that an eating disorder therapist does not help some people that struggle with eating disorders. Um, for me, the eating disorder therapist simply did not work. I honestly think that many of the doctors and eating disorder therapists that I've come across are focused so much on weight rather than the mental aspect of the eating disorder. My mental health was not taken care of when I was really going to therapy. And you would think that like therapy helps your mental health and it really does if you find a good therapist, but I just didn't. And after like a couple of different therapists, I'm like, you know, this is just not working. This just isn't. Um, I did have a couple of dietitians even very early on. And before I was like, I was just not eating enough and I was struggling to regain weight. And they were like trying to shove protein drinks. Like, you know, those like, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like those nutrition shakes. And you see, I'm not a nutrition shake girl. Okay, it wasn't even about the calories. I just, it just didn't taste good. And they kept trying to put this and I'm like, I'm not going to drink this. I'm, I'd rather slap a sandwich and get on with it. Like, yeah, that's all I have to say. But I did do some research on dialectical behavioral therapy. And there is actually a lot of evidence backing it as a type of cognitive behavioral therapy. It really helps change your behavior patterns and has been proven by countless of studies. Um, it helps depression, OCD, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and eating disorders. Um, It really gets into like those behaviors and those habits and just switching your mindset around them. And I feel like this could definitely be something that people who are struggling with eating disorders can try if they have the resources, if they have the money and the time and just have tried other options with no success. This is a great way. Finally, our last wellness babe said recovery is a very lonely journey. And I honestly think there's a lot of truth to this statement. Often with eating disorder recovery, you feel like the loneliest person on earth. You know, you're dealing with, you know, the bloating, the extreme hunger, the emotions, the losing your identity. And sometimes, you know, you even lose friends. I think nobody, no, no friends came to pick me up when I was at my lowest point. And I think that's what hurt me the most is like, I was really struggling and people could care less. And that's kind of when I realized like who my real friends were. So there were a lot of people that were cut out of my life because you see, I was always the person who would come and help people. I would come on people's lowest days. I would reach out to people, make sure they're doing okay and wish them happy birthday. But then I realized that like when I was at my lowest point, when it was my birthday, like people didn't reach out to me and I just kind of realized my worth and I decided to cut people off. So during my eating disorder recovery journey, my friend count was like literally two people who actually were new friends. Like I never had any like old friendships rekindling um, because ultimately like just things happened and I kind of realized who my real friends were. And so it was, it's very lonely. Um, nobody understands what you're going through. Even the therapists don't understand, the doctors don't, and you're just sitting around. Um, but luckily I had an incredible mom and she she just helped, she helped me so much through it all. And so, um, she was kind of my number one best friend through it. So I would say if you're feeling really lonely in your recovery journey, make sure you find 
someone, whether that is a parent or a good friend, if you're blessed with a fantastic friend who's always there for you, if you are still quite lonely, social media is really the best tool for feeling less alone in your recovery journey. So if you follow the right people and have the courage to DM some of them, you may get some great advice on recovery, feel less alone, and even become friends with people online. Um, Again, my DMs are always open and there are plenty of other fabulous Um, recovery accounts and just fitness and mental health accounts just like mine that are all there to just help people and build a great community just like I am. So if you're feeling particularly lonely, that is always a great option. Now on to some questions. So the first question was how to accept your new body. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but seriously, get rid of old clothing and find new ones. A lot of people who I feel like start recovery, they kind of do pseudo recovery where like they're not really gaining weight. Um, They hold on to a lot of old clothing. They still do a lot of, you know, over-exercise, under-eating, yada, yada, yada. And holding on to old clothing is just such a big trigger. And I think it can really hinder someone. You would think that like, oh, it's just like a pair of jeans in the back of my closet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're you're not going to touch those jeans and put them on and see how much weight you gained over your recovery journey. No, you aren't. <laughs> like, don't lie to yourself. Get rid of the clothing. Get rid of it before they like you completely outgrow them because you don't need that risk in your closet. And I also want to mention that I really dealt with this. When I say really dealt with this, I really. So it was like April of 2022. So this is last year. I bought a baby blue prom dress, okay? Beautiful prom dress. It was strapless, but it looked so good. Such a sleek dress, perfect color. Everything was fine. It was even a little loose around the rib cage. But keep in mind, I was like regaining weight. I was like eating enough. Like this was April to May, okay? Three weeks later, like literally four days before prom, I put on the dress and I couldn't zip it up. My rib cage grew so much with the extra food, literally the bones, the bones just whoop, like the bones just grew, right? I couldn't fit into the dress. I, I like, I couldn't, I tried and I couldn't. At first I was upset, but obviously my mom came in to save the day. She was like, well, your bones grew. You can't control your body. Like you can't control your bones, especially. And so we went and we picked up a dress and it fit. And I went to prom with a new dress and nobody knew that I outgrew a dress within three weeks, but I did because my rib cage grew like I and you know on top of my rib cage growing like I had to find new bras and new sports bras and new t-shirts and um currently like my shoulders are growing but that's also because I'm lifting a lot and so you know it's okay it's okay to outgrow clothing and on top of that I do want to mention that it is also totally okay to change your style I think people are too scared to change their style and through eating disorder recovery I kind of learned my style and because I didn't have those clothing from like two years ago to like hinder me I literally had an empty closet I went out and I bought new items and I tried different styles and I found one that fit best for me and so just be excited about getting new clothing and allowing your clothing to fit you and not the other way around also with accepting your new body literally stare at yourself naked in the mirror I'm not joking You might think I'm joking. I'm not. Before or after your shower, stare at yourself in the mirror. Blow and all. I don't care if you're shower after dinner and like you have a little, a little like food baby. Look at yourself completely naked. Yes, we are going to do this. You know why? Because the more you look at yourself, the more you normalize your body. And the more you normalize your body, the more you start looking at the good stuff in your body. Not just always the flaws. Not the three pimples that popped up because you are stressed. Not the like food baby that happened because you just enjoyed the pasta like look at your body compliment it normalize looking at your body stop covering up your body all the time I get bad body image days but if you cover up your body all the time because you're ashamed to look at it that's something we have to work on okay having an eating disorder but not being underweight so this is a reality for actually a lot of eating disorders remember first like even If you never drastically lost weight, there are eating disorders that don't have you drastically lose weight. Um, I know some bulimics that never lost extreme weight. Um, Orthorexia, um, which is an obsession with healthy eating. Um, And while it's not counted as a official eating disorder, according to the DSM-5, like the, like the, you know, official psychologist handbook of disorders, 
I personally think that it can be a serious disorder, especially nowadays where everyone's obsessed with eating clean and eating healthy. Like there's a good, like I love eating healthy. I love eating good food, but there's also a point and if it becomes an obsession, that's, that's not healthy. And so, you know, orthorexia, bulimia, um, even if you have anorexia, you might not drastically lose weight. Um, maybe if you're just starting the eating disorder, weight is not always an indicator. Um, it is more of your habits, your actions, and how you think about food, what consumes your mind. If food and exercise and weight are some of the top things that consume your mind, then you need to probably work on recovering from the eating disorder. And if you have, you know, if you're in the process of recovering and you fully weight restored, but you still have a lot of bad habits, you still have a lot of bad thoughts regarding eating disorders, then remember that your mind heals slower than your body. So you might still be anorexic. You might still be bulimic. You might still struggle with an eating disorder when you are weight restored. And I also like to think of, you know, drastically losing weight as kind of a side effect of eating disorders. So like when you look at like a Tylenol bottle or an ibuprofen or just any medication, on the back of the bottle, there are all the side effects. Not all of them happen. You know, Tylenol has all these different side effects and, you know, this and that, and like it won't slow down your fever and like heart palpitations, whatever, whatever side effects, but not all of the side effects happen. And you need to understand that eating disorders one of the side effects is drastic weight loss, but that doesn't happen for every single person. And so that's why I think we need to start normalizing eating disorders in all types of bodies. Don't just like look at a body and like maybe perhaps because it's not deathly underweight, you automatically think that they can't be struggling with the eating disorder when that can be further from the truth. There are, <clears throat> I just have to mention this. I'm sorry, but like, I really have to. There are some special people on TikTok. That's all I'm going to say. And they like tell their followers that they're not anorexic. I'm sorry. It is just not physically healthy to be that skinny. I don't care genetics. I've seen a lot of naturally skinny people in my life. That's too skinny. Okay. If your legs look like literal spaghetti noodles, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They just no. I get when you're like a child and you're like eight or 12. But if you're like 20 and you look like that, you have a problem, okay? So don't go saying that you're fine and you're a healthy weight because you're not. It's pretty obvious. Um, it makes me so angry when I see underweight people, like severely underweight, like really underweight, say that, you know, they don't have an eating disorder. They're like, they're eating enough. But just because they're skinny and they say they haven't eat, they don't have an eating disorder, everyone believes them, Right. But if you're not like super skinny and you have an eating disorder and you're telling people I have an eating disorder, people don't believe you. So it's like, do you need to be sickly underweight to be counted as sick? Like, absolutely not. You don't. Okay. That's just something that I had to talk about right now. The whole heroin chic trend is back. And honestly, like, it's not, it's not. No. Okay. No, no, I no. I just don't want to go through that anymore. Okay. No, we're not going through that. We're not going to follow the trend because our bodies are not trends. Okay, I'm going to stop with the rant and keep answering the questions. How to overcome extreme hunger and binge eating. So as I mentioned earlier in the episode, ultimately embrace it and don't restrict after. It will go away, sometimes in a few weeks, sometimes in a few months. The more your body learns to trust you and, you know, the more you fuel it, the less often it will happen. Also, let me remind you that it can happen before, during, and after weight restoration. Extreme hunger can hit anytime. So be prepared for it to come up because it will, and it will attack you pretty hard. And you might feel guilty and you might feel like you're becoming a binge eater. Don't, okay? The food that you're binging on, make sure you normalize that into your diet every single day. If you always overeat on chocolate, make sure you're having chocolate every single day, morning, lunch dinner like you know a piece obviously you're not eating a whole bar once you normalize these foods you're less your your body just doesn't look at it as like the forbidden fruit effect and you just don't end up overeating them so keep fueling your body understanding that extreme hunger is normal it will pass do not restrict just keep swimming how to get over the feeling that nobody can understand your pain no matter how thin you are so 
I think I just mentioned a couple of minutes ago how lonely eating disorders are and, you know, recovery is also extremely lonely and, you know, social media, finding supportive friends, finding supportive family members, like that's all a big part of eating disorder recovery. That needs to be something that you actively seek out because there will be people that will not understand your pain. You know, I sometimes talk to people and they are so just so not educated on mental health, like so not educated. They think they're like above any sort of mental issue. Well, you know, sweetie, I have a 4.0, pretty much graduated high school early. Like I'm very accomplished and yet I wasn't able to outsmart anorexia. Having eating disorder or any other mental issues doesn't show the fact that you are dumb or you're weak, okay? It just happens. You can't control it. Sometimes it's genetic. Sometimes it's chemical. Sometimes it is just how things happen, okay? Just because you have an eating disorder and there are people who don't understand the pain or who call you dumb for having it or who invalidate the fact that you are struggling with this doesn't mean that they're true. Find the right people that will support you through your recovery journey and keep swimming. How do you regain your personality back? So yes, I did mention that your personality does go away when you are under eating. As you recover, your personality will slowly come back to life. As you regain the weight, as you are fixing just your mental health and your physical health, your personality naturally comes back. And this is a very exciting part of eating disorder recovery because you are re-meeting yourself. It's like, it's like meeting a brand new person. It is absolutely incredible. For me, for example, I started noticing my personality coming back around, I would say four months into eating disorder recovery. Um, I think by this point, I've, I regained like 10 to 15 pounds. And so, you know, I just started to really regain the weight. And it was like meeting a brand new person. This was in like May of 2022. Yes, this was almost a year ago, but it was like, it was so incredible. I became so confident and outgoing. And it was just a blast to re-meet myself and just to laugh and genuinely be a happy person. Finally, how to forgive the people around you who do not understand the eating disorder and eating disorder recovery. I think first off, forgiving yourself for having an eating disorder. I noticed that I held a lot of grudges against myself for struggling with something like that. So forgive yourself. And again, as I mentioned earlier, there are people who just won't understand. Um, there are people that will not be sensitive to the fact that you have an eating disorder. There will be people that talk about diet culture right in front of you after you told them about your past relationship with food and you, you know, told them to not talk about diet culture and yet here they are talking about diet culture. Just forgive yourself and as you recover, the easier it will be to block out those people, to forgive those people and understand that they have no idea what it's like to have an eating disorder. And ultimately forgiveness happens slowly as you just gradually become more confident into saying like, I don't want to take part in this conversation. Can we please stop? If people are pushing those conversations onto you, literally leave. If you ask them to not talk about certain things and they keep doing it, leave. Protect your inner peace and also forgive people because a lot of times, just like a kindergartner, a person is not going to know what an eating disorder is like. Within a year, I recovered from my eating disorder. I regained about 40 pounds, started to weightlift, and fixed my relationship with food. I've learned a lot and through my experiences, decided to make a digital eating disorder recovery journal to help you. It is called Healed with a capital E-D at the end, and you can purchase it off Etsy for a super affordable price. Use the code WellnessWithLanaPod, all caps and no spaces, for an extra 20% off. Print it out or just use it on your tablet, phone, or laptop with any notes editor such as GoodNotes. There are daily emotional trackers, journal prompts, empty meal plans, water trackers, and recovery challenges. Also weekly, there is an entire page of me answering commonly asked questions about recovery, such as regaining weight, dealing with post-recovery issues, and more. I'm in no way a doctor or therapist, but gleaned a lot of information from my and others' experiences with eating disorders and recovery. You can find the healed journals in the link in the bio. Ultimately, I wanted to launch these journals around National Eating Disorder Awareness Day because, you know, it's just so, so, so important and I feel like nobody has aesthetic looking recovery journals and I wanted something to look good. So like if someone from the outside just looks at the journal, they're going to have no idea that it's a recovery journal, like none. Okay. It does not look like those rusty, dusty therapy recovery journals that like doctor's offices give you. They just, it just looks really nice, honestly. So 
I hope that you absolutely loved this episode. Don't forget to follow this podcast, give it a rating and a review and share it with someone who may need to hear it. Also follow all of my socials and if you feel like it would be helpful for your recovery journey, purchase the Healed Eating Disorder Journal by clicking the link in the bio. I love you so much. Always remember that my DMs are open. You're incredible. You are strong. You are brave and have a fantastic rest of your week. Thank you.